1: If you're ready to buy or sell a home in Pierce, South King, or Snohomish County, please check out John Hurlbut and his team over at Altitude Homes. John's an old friend and someone I know you can trust. He will also donate $500 to Ben's Fund for every closed transaction. I know how hard it is to find a real estate agent who has your best interests in mind. John can be that guy for you and benefit a great cause to boot. Check them out on the web at altitude-re.com slash HB. Again, altitude-re.com slash HB. Or give them a call at 253-222-2626. That's 253-222-2626. Go Hawks.
0: Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend, Blake Johnson of manifestfit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan life.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the 90th episode of Real Hog Talk. I'm Brian Emhauser, and it has been a minute since we've had a chance to catch up with all of you. Uh, We have a lot to cover tonight, Um, taking a couple weeks off, some of it intentional, some of it just honestly a lot going on at work. So I appreciate your patience while we kind of get ourselves organized for what is going to be a absolutely pivotal offseason for the Seahawks franchise, a lot a lot to, to to tackle um a lot to cover and we're going to start with that tonight we are going to start talking about free agent priorities we're going to start talking about uh draft priorities we're going to talk about who maybe the seahawks should let walk um who who shouldn't be on this roster anymore um i think we should spend a little time talking about where we think there's some emerging strengths players that could be uh give us reason why we don't need to um, acquire more talent at that position. So we got, we'll see how that conversation goes. Um, we are, as usual, working through some Canadian technical difficulties. So you, you may see Jeff Simmons, uh, at Real Jeff Simmons on Twitter, come in and out. He might try to talk. Nothing may happen. You know, he may be upside down. We have no idea what's going to happen with Jeff. It's always a, a world of wonders. But uh, please bear with us as you do. Um, and before I bring the rest of the guys into the show, you know, thank you guys for what's been a terrific season. Uh, continue to do fantastic fundraising um, on Patreon.com/HawkBlogger. We're on our way to. It's really like April, May when we do our donation every year, and I think we're on track to do twenty thousand again, um, which would be great. And uh, you guys are, you know, the reason that happens. So really, really appreciate, uh, joining up there. And like I've said before, we'll, we'll try to see if we can do some kind of off season get together. Maybe it's around the draft. Maybe we can find a, a bar in Seattle or somewhere we can, uh, uh, people have asked if we would do a live draft show. That would be fun. Um, have some reaction and, and, uh, get some beers. So, so I think those are all things that we could do, but, um, joining up at patreon.com slash Hawk blogger is a big way to help support that and be included in those types of things. And then, um, uh if you haven't already subscribed for god's sakes Click subscribe on youtube let you know let you know when there's new videos from here from cable thanos um will at rain city series i'm hopeful he's working on a pretty fun one right now we had some ideas a few days ago inspired by our, our friends down south in the bay area um so please subscribe please let people know um we really love having you guys building the community so with that, let me bring in our amazing crew. Uh, you have got Andy Reid and his grandson, Nathan Ernst, at NathanE11 uh, on Twitter. How's it
2: going, Nathan? Good, good. With uh, the great Super Bowl. Uh, my buddy, my grandpa, Andy Reid. Uh, finally got out of the ring. Everything's good.
1: I was happy for Andy Reid. It's been a long time coming, and... It's great because I mean, what it took nerds uh, forty years to realize, you know, Bill Walsh and the West Coast offense is known, you know, since the early '80s. So it's it's great that finally, you know, Andy Reid is has been validated as doing what what we all knew made sense all along.
2: Now yeah, if we can just get Pete to catch up to the 1980s, and, do <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and
1: then we've got uh, Evan Hill at evan in s what are you at now evan in sea
0: yes sir it has remained that handle for a while now since the 49ers have been fairly quiet their fans have been fairly quiet recently so the handle remains
1: i can't do you have any idea why they've been quiet lately
0: you know
2: i can think of 10 reasons
0: I'm thinking about how daring to be in my comments right now, knowing the potential ramifications. You know, they may have lost a football game on Sunday. They won the game for like the first 3.5 quarters of the game. But the last 0.5 quarters of the game didn't exactly go their way. And frankly, it was one of the most botched, choked Super Bowls in, in recent memory for me, this is, this is, it, it was just a delight. Like I, I cannot tell you how happy I am right now. I'm overjoyed. I'm relieved. I'm ecstatic. And, you know, at the end of the day who doesn't love seeing their division rivals, you know, choke away super bowls two years in a row. So uh, I'm very happy on my end.
1: You know, what's funny is there's like a whole group of folks that actually adhere to the philosophy that, Hey, you want, the guy the team that beats you or you know you're right like to to actually be the team that wins cuz it validates i don't follow that logic i'm like uh, having the team that won your division win a super bowl historically has not been a particularly good thing for the rest of the teams in that division having that team lose the super bowl has historically been a pretty damn good thing for the rest of the teams in that division If you're a Seahawks fan, I don't know how any way that you could come to the logic of cheering for the 49ers in that game.
0: Did you encounter some fans that took that position? Yeah. Totally.
2: So I subscribe to this like I subscribe to this had it been like the Packers or the Eagles, right? Uh, Okay,
0: so you're referring to like the NFC in general, not the NFC West.
2: Right, but now if it comes to someone in the NFC West, hell no i don't want them to have anything good or nice but like the idea that it would have reflected well on seattle if green bay hadn't turned around and got trounced by the Niners, i i buy i i buy into that yeah yeah i i i could follow that um
1: so <laughs> one thing that people may be wondering if we're going to talk about and I'll, I'll i'll cover it right away is is you know, 40,000 words later, um, uh, of Pete Carroll articles, we will not be getting into Pete Carroll in any real depth today. Uh, I think, I think it's pretty clear where the lines are drawn. Anything that goes wrong with the team at all. While Pete Carroll's here, Nathan and Evan, it will clearly be, it'll be Pete's fault. I mean, there's no doubt about it. There's no, no reason to have the conversation.
0: I went to in and out tonight. The fries were a little less than heavenly. You know who I blamed? Pete Carroll. <laughs>
1: exactly. Exactly. Um, and that does not mean that the reasons aren't valid. Um, but it's very clear that that's that's the general point of view. Um, I will probably have different reasons why things go wrong. There will be times where it will be Pete Carroll, and there will be times it will be other things. Uh, so. You know, as far as, as uh, do I think that the team needs, you know, has a, has a reason to, to change coaches right now, I laid that out in that article. So if you haven't already read the article that I wrote um, and Nathan's retort, I highly recommend you do. Um, you know, for me, I want that to mostly be my, my final words on the topic and uh, to move on to how do we win with the regime we've got, regardless of your point of view on whether that should be the regime um like let, let's try to win with the team we got um and and not spend all the time figuring out how we when we do something that is not we have no you know no no real chance of changing so um with that in mind this is this is really the off-season episode so uh I gave the guys some assignments I don't know if anyone actually went and, and followed their uh their instructions um but it's okay, because if they didn't, they're gonna have to think quickly. Um, I would highly recommend pulling up websites with top NFL free agents, uh, so you're ready for for questions on those. And um, let's start let's start a little bit with looking inward. Um, what do you guys see as of the positions groups on the Seahawks? And if you want to get to specific positions, you know quarterback we know we don't necessarily need another quarterback um, although i wouldn't mind drafting one but let's let's say we don't need another quarterback what are the areas of this team that are in good shape that you feel like are trending positively that are not not top priorities to bring in free agents or draft to augment like what are the what if any parts of the team do you feel like yeah, if we went into next season with the basically the same group we've got there, I'd feel okay.
0: I guess I'll go ahead and start with the obvious one, or maybe it's not the obvious one. I feel very confident in the safety group, and I've said it all year long for the most part. It, it, well, especially when we you know receive Quandre Diggs and pretty much balled out the rest of the year. I think with Quandre Diggs at free safety, Bradley McDougall at strong safety, you got Marquise Blair, who was the second round pick from last year. Um, got minimal playing time this year, but I think, you know, we we witnessed that whole debacle with veteran playing time and Pete Carroll's preference over, you know, who started at the position and everything like that. And we debated it for it a lot for it for a long time. But I do think Marquise Blair is going to be an emerging player for this defense come come 2020 i think um i wouldn't be surprised if he ended up actually starting over bradley McDougal. bradley McDougal is still a really good player um he wasn't as good as he was was in 2018 but i do think uh marquise blair has the much higher higher ceiling obviously the youthful energy he's younger um harder hitting football players you know really the traits you look for and want in a in a strong safety so my answer to your question brian is the safety group i am not going to expand that category to the dbs in general because i have concerns about the corners but i am confident in our safeties
1: nathan how about you any any position groups that that jump off
2: the list quarterback seems all right i think they're pretty good about that yep (laughs) Uh, yeah. Uh, there isn't like there are position groups I will be okay with going in next year with. I don't know that there are any that I can't see them finding ways to improve. Um, I guess maybe linebacker is one where they just I just don't see them needing to. To spend there between how well KJ played, Bobby being Bobby, having a couple guys behind him with um, Barton, and you know who knows what BBK maybe can do someday. So, uh, and, and with just a general like, I really hope that they play a lot less base next year. Um, I don't think linebacker is a spot they need to really do anything with.
1: Hmm. Okay,
2: yeah, I don't know how I feel about linebacker
1: to be honest. <laughs> That 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 position group feels like it could fall off a cliff um, if if Bobby's level of play continues to decline and KJ is already like I think we got one more year out of him than I expected to at a decent level and I don't know that we know that Cody Barton and Ben Burkervin are gonna be starting caliber I think we're hopeful on Barton but. I wouldn't, I would, I think I'd, I would not be a fan of spending free agent dollars on linebackers for sure. But if they, if they drafted a, a young linebacker, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bat an eye at that. Yeah. But
2: I mean, that is true of every position group outside of quarterback. And even quarterback, if they spend like a fifth or sixth round pick, I won't bat an eye at that either. Right. So I see. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, there's another position group that's super strong, but I think we'd all agree wouldn't mind seeing more addition to it. And that's receiver. I mean, you've got Lockett, you've got Metcalf, young ascending um, quality players. There are some, some depth guys that are quality depth guys. I don't know that we joke about uh, Malik Turner and other fun stuff, but those guys are, you know, number four, you know, maybe the top out at number three receivers. Um, so yeah. Um, that's a strong group uh if they went into the season with the same group next year i'd be a little disappointed but i don't think it would be major alarm bells from my perspective um but we'll get into that from draft perspective because there's some pretty appealing options there too um jeff are, are you with us on the phone here i am i'm with you guys i've been listening so so the question was or you know we, we went through some different position groups that we think are In decent shape that would not be our top priorities to address and obviously quarterback was in there. Uh, Evan mentioned safety I'd I'd agree with him on that. Um, Nathan mentioned um, linebacker I think. Um, Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know. I, I called out wide receiver. Obviously it's a little nuanced. Any other position groups? Um, I mean, what about something like running back? I mean, yeah, that was, there, do, you, do you feel like you want to see the team add to that pile or do you feel comfortable with the state of that, that position?
3: Um, I think if you, just, I, I, when you guys were on the phone, I was on the phone, you guys were talking, I was going through each position group on the RLATS depth chart and really, there really isn't much that you feel comfortable with going into the year. And you mentioned receiver, like that would be fine at the top end of it, but depth was an issue for them. And one lock injury really set them back down the stretch. So I would be really disappointed if they don't address this group, especially in this receiver draft class, which we'll get into later. Looking at all the other position groups, the only one really I'm comfortable with is running back. And you have two, two of the main guys coming off injury. Travis Homer looked okay in his role. I think those are your three running backs next year. Yeah, maybe you send a late round pick on it, but outside of running back, they need to address most of these position groups and some of them pretty drastically, like defensive line needs a pretty big adjustment. Uh, some spots on the O-line, almost everywhere. Nickelback they need. The cornerback is not comfortable at all with Trey Flowers and Nickelback. So other than linebacker, which they are getting a little old other than Cody Barden, there's not much you're truly comfortable with other than running back, which is probably the least important position group on the team. And gets punter. Is that, is that their only good position group? I don't know.
1: I don't know.
0: Do we um, even consider Michael Dixon to be like a top league wide punter anymore?
1: He I was know. he was middle of the pack last year.
0: Yes, he was. Nobody wants to talk about it.
1: Oh, we've we talked can. about it plenty, man. I mean, he was.
0: No, no, I I meant just the fan base in general. He's a beloved player. And I don't I don't think like what do you say in 2018 he was like a top three? like top four punter and this year he took a sizable drop i feel like
1: he did he did that yeah he definitely did well so so then let's approach it this way um each of you get to pick one position group one that is the one that you want to improve the most and it can be the same position group you get guys can all pick the same one and the follow-on question is what it, What are your top two moves to address that position group? Um, what do you want to see happen? We're gonna we're gonna start that way, and then we'll we'll broaden out a little bit more. So, um, Nathan, do you have an idea of what your top position group is that you want to see improve this year for the Seahawks?
0: Nathan, okay, you unmuted, you're muted.
2: Nathan. Let me let me find my mute button. Uh, for me, I think it's uh, I think it's cornerback. Um, I think uh, they have no nickelback on the on the roster, uh, at least nothing that's close to being proven or uh, something. Anything you're close to, you know, just rolling in the next season with um, Trey had a, a down sophomore year, um, and the depth there isn't, uh, you know, the boundary spots isn't anything to write home about. So. Uh, I think that's the one I want to see them improve the most. Um, And I'm sure a lot of people are going to talk about uh, pass rush and I'm not against adding there, but I do kind of buy into the idea that maybe uh, coverage is more important than pass rush. Uh, And so I think that's where I want to see them focus.
1: Okay. And what would be, what would be a, a move or two that you'd like to see them make to help improve the cornerback spot?
2: I mean, uh, you know, they'll draft a couple guys in the mid round. I'm okay with that. Um, one of the guys, uh, I think the big cornerback name out there is, uh, Chris Harris. I'd be, I'd be fine with that. Um, but I was kind of looking through some of the free agents and trying to find a name. That's maybe a little bit more of a, a bargain guy. Um, and I was looking at Bradley Roby. Um, he's a guy that CF rumored to be interested in, um, in the draft, which was surprising because he was a first round pick. And who knows if there's anything to that or not? I think he checks a lot of their boxes. Um, I think he's played some nickel. Um, so I think he's got some versatility there. So I think he could be a, a guy that um, could be one of those kind of Pete Carroll turnaround stories. I had Bradley Roby on my list for the record. So that's a good call out.
1: Yeah, I don't know much about Roby. Well, a nickel corner or outside corner? No, he's. A- He's an outside guy. I think
3: Denver drafted him one pick before them, I think the year after the Super Bowl. And he was in Houston last year. He's a bigger, more outside physical guy. He's still, I think, under thirty. It was a first round pick. I had him on my list with Byron Jones. So I think that's a good call out.
2: Yeah, he's he'll be twenty-eight next year. Uh, are you sure that he hasn't played any nickel? I thought like he played a little bit on the inside. Maybe A I- little bit, but
3: they had they had him and Harris and Tlaib in Denver, and Harris would move inside, mm-hmm. and him and Talib would play outside.
1: Gotcha. Well, Nathan, it's interesting. You, you quickly got off of Chris Harris, and you said you're basically looking for a bargain. This team doesn't need to be bargain shopping necessarily. Um, you know, if, if you said pass rush maybe isn't your top priority, coverage is, why not go – go in and get a guy like Chris Harris, address your, your nickel spot. He can play outside and base and he can slide inside and you've got, uh, you've got other guys that can step in and play outside when he, he he moves inside.
2: I I don't have any problem with it. I, I just was trying to look past some of the bigger name guys. Also he's 30. I mean, what will he be? He'll be 31 next year. So, I don't know like what kind of contract he's going to get, how much they really want to pay him. So um, yeah, I mean, he, I think he'd be a a great fit for all the reasons that you just said, but um, I think Roby's a guy that you could really, that they could really realistically just like set their sights on and and kind of, you know, get at a price that's pretty reasonable and stuff.
1: Um, All right. So it sounds like, you know, primarily, well, you mentioned draft, but like, would you primarily want to see them address that? position through free agency or draft?
2: Um, that's a good question. Uh, I don't think I have a preference. Uh, I guess I think I, I would like both is really the thing. Yeah. I, I don't want it to be either or. Um, but if I had to pick one, I, I don't think I have a preference either way, really. And, and that's without knowing a ton about this class. Maybe maybe if I understood the class a little better, maybe it'd be a good one or a bad one. I don't know. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting with Trey flowers, the, the, the the fan base in general is kind of split a little bit when it comes to flowers. And, you know, I think there's folks that feel like, Hey, he's perfectly good and let's, let's just keep rolling with him. I'll keep improving. And, and, you know, he's doing pretty good for a safety converted to corner. I think there's that group of folks. And then there's another group of folks that are like, I don't care what he's converted to what, He's not been that great like he's been an average to below average corner and and we need to do better at that position. And um, I think people probably left the, the last few games of the season with a little bit of a bad taste in their mouth. I don't think that he played as well. At the end, there was a stretch where he was playing some of his best football and he trailed off. So um, I think we said on our offseason show last year, I mean, I, even in the article we wrote together, if they stood pat at the corner position last year, I was going to be really disappointed. They pretty much stood pat at the cornerback position. In fact, they went backwards losing Justin Coleman. And I think that was a big issue for them this year. So I agree with you. I think I think they need to add to the competition there. I think status quo with Flowers and Shaquille Griffin is, is not a recipe for success. And uh, I don't know if they'll go after Chris. Chris Harris, but I, I think that that's an interesting one. Since we're on this topic of corners, and Nathan picked yeah. it, anybody else have corners that they're particularly interested in on the free agent market?
0: I mean, I Byron Jones is the is the yeah, hot name. Yeah, You know, uh, Dallas free agent, um, super high ceiling, uh, effective in man and zone coverage. Um, most people currently consider him like a top ten, top fifteen corner. He hasn't played excellent all four years but you know it, he's one of those players where coming out of college he, just a sky high ceiling and you know he could he could be one of those guys that comes into a pete carroll system and immediately turns into you know like uh uh what's that corner that joined joined new england uh he's got the dreads gilmore. steven gilmore like he was excellent in buffalo but really reached new heights in in new england i think um On the on the money side, he's going to cost some buco bucks. I think we're talking. I'm hesitant to say 16 mil APY because I think that sounds way too cheap. I think I could see him hitting like 17 or 18, maybe 19. Corner is a hot, you know, positional market. Um, It's hard to find good corners, and obviously, like like Nathan said, I think I think coverage is extremely valuable so it's definitely a hot name that i think many many teams will be interested in
1: jeff you had some thoughts on think, byron jones yeah i
3: think some i think evan hit some of the best points but i think with him the reason seattle doesn't typically sign corners off free agency is because their technique is really challenging to teach to a lot of players and byron jones played the last couple of years with chris richard who does the step kick in dallas and they use the same defensive technique so there's no learning curve Someone like Chris Harris, who's been playing a really different technique, someone like him might have trouble adjusting to the way Seattle asks defensive backs to play. So I think that's what makes Jones so appealing. It's a natural transition for him, playing from Chris Richard as their defensive coordinator the last two years. You're not asking him to do something he's never done before. And then that moves Trey Flowers down to kind of what Akeem King was playing this year. That really makes you a lot stronger. And he's a good age. He's going to cost a lot. But I think that allows you to hit that nickel corner position in the draft. And you can really lock down those two offensive or defensive outside positions. And I know it costs a lot, but I think that's a kind of free agent based on his age and skill set that would make sense to target.
1: That's a great point. Um, I hadn't thought about that and, and, uh, it makes a lot of sense. I think Byron Jones has definitely kind of underperformed his, 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 uh, his draft status to some extent, but, um, I can understand people being interested. Um, What about names like, I mean, Logan Ryan, Um, you know, is that a guy, he's older, he's gonna be 29 next year, um, but is one of those longer, lengthier corners, um, played in New England, any interest there?
2: Sorry, I missed it, who did you say?
1: Logan Ryan. Mm. I mean, I, I see Ryan as being a guy that, is old enough that he shouldn't get top dollar, but, um, you know, has played in some quality defenses over the years. I I, I think he's definitely someone who could challenge Trey flowers and, and probably take over there. challenge with a guy like Logan Ryan is that he's he's not going to play nickel at all. And so, you know, one of your questions you've got to ask here is, is, are you prioritizing finding a solution at nickel or are you trying to add the best corner possible? And I mean, I think if they go into the season without a solution at nickel, that's a major problem. Um, And I think that the, the one thing I would say is you got Ugo Amadi honestly has not proven himself at all. He's shown some promise, but if you added another good corner and you had, you know, said, okay, we're going to bet on Ugo Amadi. I could kind of, at least buy that on the upside that you could end up, if Amadi pans out, you could end up with two improved positions in the secondary. So um, I think that's, that's one of the things that John Schneider is going to have to think about this off season is, is, you know, if you had to pick one, what were you going to make? That's why Chris Harris is so appealing because <laughs> he covers you on both spots and there's a real chance. Basically either Trey flowers really improves or Amadi works out either way. Chris Harris compliments. Um, it makes it really interesting. Uh,
0: I'm sorry if you mentioned this name, but did you mention Ronald Darby from the Eagles? The former UW guy? I think UW, right? Ronald Darby? I don't
3: think he played. No, he went to Florida State.
0: Um he's a potential option. I think that could be you know, he's struggled with injuries his, his entire career, but um high ceiling. Could be a Pete Carroll type of guy, very buy low type of thing. I'm sure it would it it wouldn't be more than like a million or two on a one year deal.
3: And there's there's a couple other names like him out there. Trey Wayne's is a free agent. Uh, he was the first top fifteen pick. Eli Apple was a first round pick. Mackenzie Alexander, he's a slot guy. He was a first round or second round pick. There's some decent names out there for value corners if they kind of want to hedge trade flowers and going to the draft with more options than nickel
1: yeah there's there's some folks that were in the chat talking about going out and getting uh xavier rhodes yeah he's
3: gonna get cut for sure but he had a terrible year and he's getting he's descending so i don't know if that's a guy you want to invest in
2: no yeah, thank you these guys are like darby's a, a nickel guy i don't know about much about Mackenzie alexander um A lot of these guys are much more outside than inside types. Yeah. There are not. I mean,
1: that's the thing. It's not a it's not a deep free agent class for corners, which means that any of them that are at all good are gonna cost a boatload. So I mean, I think that's unless this is the Seahawks top priority in the in the offseason, I don't think they're gonna get any of the top guys. And so You know, one thing is what we think is their top priority and and we'll move on to the next position group in a second here, but it's, I don't believe that either John Schneider or Pete Carroll believe cornerback is their top Mm. priority to solve. Um, So it's just hard for me to imagine them going out and getting a Chris Harris. Although, you know, I, I certainly wouldn't be upset to see it happen. I think we might see trade might be a reasonable option to look at here and, um, that's obviously impossible to predict. I mean, you have to go through and look at, at you know, cap situations and, and analyze that a little bit more, but that might be, that might be something that they look at doing. Um, they've done that before each of the last couple of seasons in terms of trying to fill their, their, some of their corner roles. Um, so let's move on. Uh, Jeff, your pick one position group that you'd want to improve and, you know, a couple moves that come to mind of how you would want to improve it.
3: Is that just
1: for free agency or is that overall? It can be. You no, know, this is overall. Like, pick your position group you want to improve and pick your, your tactic that you'd want to use to improve it. Okay, I'm going to go a little off the board. I'll leave you guys
3: the obvious one. Um, the area
1: I would like to see them improve is right tackle.
3: And I don't want to see them addra- address that in the draft. I would like to see them use free agency to stabilize that position. And if you watch the Chiefs play, or you're looking at Nathan's background right now, the highest graded PFF player in the playoffs was Mitchell Schwartz, a guy that Brian really advocated to the Seahawks to sign. I think with Mick Bosa in your division, Donald and all these guys, I think we've talked so much for years about Jermaine Effetti and his issues. And I know there's George Fan, but asking a guy to switch sides is really challenging. I look at free agency and I see Brian Buaga out there. I think he's a guy. And if you read Ben Baldwin's Twitter at all this year, He talked a lot about Aaron Rodgers and a lot about the number one pass protecting team in the NFL. Brian Bulaga was a bookend on that team, and he was a first-round talent. He's a really good player. He's a little older, but uh, you can be a little older. And if you're going to try to pass more, you're going to try to compete in this division with these really talented offensive lines, Chandler Jones and all these guys, you can stabilize right tackle with a Bulaga or a Jack Conklin who's 25. He's more of the Seahawks type of guy because he's a run blocker. I I prefer the pass blocker. I believe the obvious answer to this question for you guys. So I think that's an area where I really see an area where I'd like to see him address in free agency, not the draft, not to deal with kind of a learning curve. I want someone who can play now, kind of fits with Russell Wilson's prime. We've talked so much about their pass protection issues, and they dropped the 30th in the league this year. I think that will really help your passing game. I think that will really help just stabilize Russell Wilson and kind of put him in a position to be maximized. And I know we, we will talk about pass rushers in a bit, and watching the Super Bowl, it's hard not to look at Nick Bosa and Chris Jones and see the impact they have. But again, look at Mitchell Schwartz, look at Mike McGlinchey at right tackle. I think that's a huge position for them. I- I'd love to see Jermaine Fetty walk in. I want to see them really stabilize that position.
0: Jeff, I am so upset right now. You stole my favorite. I, thi- I think my f- favorite outside free agent pick that I was hoping the Seahawks would pursue. That is Jack Conklin. <laughs> Uh, can I, I follow totally up on just? It, I'm gonna follow up on your answer, Jeff, just since we have the same position group. Surprise, surprise! It's a line. Um, I 100% agree with Jeff. I, I think they should have let ifetti walk. He was ranked like. Let me see if I have it up. Like, um, Jack Conklin was ranked as the 12th best tackle in 2019. Just as a, a grade per Pro Football Focus for you. Um, Jermaine Ifedi was obviously a complete disaster um he ranked 79th overall among tackles so that is not great news for Jermaine Ifetti. um but i'll choose a p- different position i i think right guard dj fluger had a low key really bad year and it was year 1 of his 2 year new deal and 2020 is the last year of that second year deal um DJ Fluker had a rough year. He uh, struggled with injuries. He um, wasn't that good in either run blocking or in pass protection. There's a couple of guard right guard names that could definitely be a big improvement. You've got Joe Thune from the Patriots. He ended as pro football Focus's third best guard in 2019. Did you hear that? Third best guard in 2019 excellent pass protector, great in run blocking, but probably a better pass blocker. So that's a little discouraging if you're hoping that the Seahawks pursue him. Um, He could be an immediate upgrade. He's an all pro level type of talent. You've got Brandon Scherf. Um, He is a little bit of in in a different situation since he has struggled with injuries throughout his career, career. So he's missed like 15 games in The past three years so that's quite quite a bit of time missed but if you could do a sort of deal that is um play time incentive based i think um i think upgrading the right side of the o-line is a big big priority for this offense um like like jeff said you know right tackles
1: it's pretty straightforward there evan i mean if i'm looking at this right you've got both Jamarcus Webb and Ode Abushi available. They're just out there for the taking, and you're set.
0: Are you trying to hurt me right now? <laughs> you trying to hurt me?
1: No, but you know it's funny. I mean, offensive line. I think we'd all agree. Like, this is this is the one that the team could royally f up. Mm. Like, right? Like this is this is the
0: year to remake this line. 100%. There is talent. They have the cap space and nobody I don't think anybody on this on this podcast trust this team to scout, identify and develop offensive line talent. Are no, we all I, in agreement? I
1: I really have my biggest concern. Like I think this is my biggest concern with how they could approach this offseason is that they're going to keep Justin Britt. Like if I just pick one move that I think is just a fulcrum for how this offseason will go, it is if you cut Justin Britt, you get $9 million in cap space or somewhere mm-hmm. around there. If you keep him, you get a average, maybe slightly above average center. And I'm telling you, that is a make-or-break move from my perspective. I can think of a lot of ways, a lot better ways to spend $9 million in cap space than spend it on Justin Britt this year. And and I mean, that's a huge, huge decision and they don't have to make it. And that's why my concern is, is that they're not, that they're gonna stick with what they've got, which that's 9 million out of the cap space that we could have could have had to spend elsewhere. Then on top of that, the next thing that would be like a hammer, a nail in the coffin would be re-signing Jermaine Ifedi. I'm hoping against hope that that somebody gives him a contract, the Seahawks. So far, the Seahawks have never signed a first-round pick that they have not tendered a, a fifth-year option to. That has not happened so far. I'm hoping that they follow suit again um, and let Jermaine Ifedi walk because there are really good options in the free agency market, um, both older and younger that all are, are appealing. I mean, you guys covered some of them, but um, I think, I think, I mean, there are plenty of reasonable options out there. I won't go through all of them again. I'd be fine if they signed George Fant to play right tackle. Like that to me would be a meaningful improvement over someone like Jermaine Fetty. So. What's your, um,
2: what's your price? <clears throat> what's your limit on Fant?
1: Well, look, you're going to have to spend at the right tackle position to get somebody. I think, I mean, check me if I, I'm i I'm pulling this out a little bit, but I think right tackle to find someone who's a starter for under 10 million a year is probably going to be tough unless you're taking a real risk on somebody. And I think I'm thinking that someone like a who's been a starter, he may, he may require like 14 to 16. I don't know.
0: Yeah, we need to stop on this for a second. So, for the for those that are listening and are unaware, the right tackle market is bloated as hell. Literally, if you have a pulse and and you've been a first round pick or a second round pick or a starter, you're right off the bat making like 12-13 million a year. So, I could totally see what? I could put, Oh, it a hundred percent is that right tackle for the Broncos just got paid thirteen million dollars a year. Trent Brown, who got switched to right tackle for the Raiders, is making like eight, I think seventeen point five million dollars a year. There's a few contracts I'm not thinking of, but the right I mean, tackle market
2: the top three. But like, I think what L. L Collins signed pretty recently, didn't he?
0: Yep, for ten million.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah I don't know. Going through here, I, I, I don't know. I mean. There are only one, two, three, four, five guys, five right tackles right now making more than ten million or more, right? And obviously, you know, this stuff resets every year, so like it'll go up. But sure, I don't know. I don't know if it's right. I'm saying the recent.
1: Go ahead, Evan. This is your area of expertise.
0: I'm just saying the recent right tackle contracts have reset those salary expectations for those players. Historically, yes, the right tackle market has not been some explosive salary you know, position group, but the recent deals are paying some players that just aren't so great and you know have a pulse. <laughs>
1: well let me be clear. I, I would rather pay a Jack Conklin or a Brian Bulaga 10 to 12 million dollars a year to play right tackle than get some great deal at George Fant at seven million a year. Like if that's if that's where the market goes. Like I'd rather them get a a great starting caliber tackle that we can you know d- rely on for a while, but like if, if the market ends up being seven or eight million for Fant and that's where you end up, I'd be okay if you also cut Justin Britt and you're looking at spending some of that money elsewhere. And I think don't sign, resign Mikey Potty. Like, so I have a yeah. question
0: for you, then Brian. Yeah. I want to pose a situation for you. You've got George Fant. I I think let's say like. Let's say like, I actually don't think he's going to get close to 10. I Let's say he gets 7 million a year, three years, 7 million a year. So $21 million deal over three years. Would you take that deal or would you take Jack Conklin at like, say, I think we need to be aggressive about this, like 16, $17 million a year for three years. So what is that like? $48 million over three years. Do you see my, do you see my situation?
1: I do. I, I do it's it's obviously hard to do in isolation without looking at the other moves because you're we haven't gotten a defensive line yet. Sure. I think the Seahawks, I mean that that's my area that I'd pick on. And I think the Seahawks have to add two players.
0: But if we're talking about those two moves in a vacuum, which risk are you take or I guess which which player are you picking?
1: Well, let me let me back out this way. I mean <laughs> I feel like cornerback that's a great call out um defensive line and offensive line those are the places where i feel like the team really needs to show some improvement and i think they need to do it through free agency or trade i think they need veteran help like i don't think there's not a lot of examples of unless you're at the top of the draft rookie pass rushers coming in and just taking over right away that doesn't happen that often even Frank Clark, you know, those guys took a few years. Um, so I think you got to spend, I mean, I think I'm th- I'm thinking you got to get two of like Yannick and Clowney And, you know, we'll go over some of those names in a second, but I think you got to get two of those guys. That's gonna be a buku investment. And then from there, if I was to go downward, I would prioritize offensive line over corner. Um, if I had like if I had to get Jack, if I could. I get to choose between Jack Conklin and Chris Harris I would choose Jack Conklin
2: yeah I think I'm kind of of the same mind really I mean it's especially the whole path pushers take a little while thing um, like to me I want them to I think cornerback might be more important than defensive line but I think I would rather than spend on defensive line than cornerback just because of their ability to uh they've developed some talent there you know they've got a knack for that so and just the time it takes players to be able to step in and play at those different positions so yeah i mean if you're looking to win now and this team should be looking to win now within reason and i think spending you know on on conklin and and gawkway is makes more sense than going throwing a bunch of money at chris harris right yeah so yeah does
1: that answer your question evan I totally, I totally
3: agree with you guys. When I made my kind of my off-season plan today, um, the two areas I said don't spend a uh, free agent money on the lines. Get guys who are ready to play. Those have the biggest learning curve, and use the draft to get speed. And I think the way free agency sets up, that works out very well with their money. I think they can use those high picks instead of trying to develop a right tackle and taking three years. I think you can use guys to just get speed on the field, whether that's receiver or other positions, and. I think they're, they're in a window where they need to win now. Russell's 31 years old, and Pete's in the last two years of his contract. They well, obviously within reason, but I think you have to look at players who can play now and the best spots to do that historically are offensive line, defensive line.
1: Um, I'm curious, though, for you guys, because this is, this is a critical. I mean, off-season makeup stuff on the offensive line. You've got, you do have some pieces that are young and should promise. You have Jamarco Jones. You have Phil Haynes. Yes, it was one game but he did play well on a tight, tight spot. And, and I think there's reason to expect he'll be better next year. Um, and I'm probably forgetting a couple guys because my brain's not been in this for a few weeks, but I mean, at least those two guys I think could be legit starters next year. Um, and they're young. Where do you deploy them? You know, Haynes even could play center. They, they cr- started cross training him at that position. Ethan Posick, I'd throw in there as well. If, if, If you went into the season with Jamarco Jones, Phil Haynes as starters, and uh, Ethan Posick or Joey Hunt at center, where are you
2: most worried? Joey Hunt at center would have me worried. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, no, I think. I think rolling with Jones and, and Haynes is actually fine. I, I mean, you probably want to try to keep Upati or someone like that around, just as kind of a cheap, capable player.
0: Upati had a good year, mind you. He really did. Yeah, he wasn't bad, all at all. right? Yeah. I, I, I'm de- i being dead serious. Pro football focus graded him exceptionally well. Uh, I'm pretty sure about that. Uh, you can double check me, Brian. Exceptionally
2: well might be an exaggeration, but yeah, he, yeah, he, yeah I think
0: he was he solid. Back. I don't
2: remember a lot of games where I was like, "Oh, you had a problem, right?" And yeah, he made two and a half million dollars, right? If you can get him back at that number again, then you you just kind of roll with him and the the two young guys. I think that he was the forty eighth rated guard overall. Yeah.
0: Where was he in pass pro or in run blocking? Oh, he was. He was just. He was
1: the consummate average. He was. 60.3 overall,
0: 60.1 pass blocking, and 60.3 run blocking. Oh, my God. Did he have, like, a stretch or something that distorted my memory? Or do I just have a bad memory? Look, uh, none of
1: us expected Yupati and Fluker to play a full season, and they basically did. I mean, they missed some time. But for the most part, they played a full season. That was the biggest upset. And Yupati I think, definitely outplayed Fluker and was a big part of some of the bigger run plays that they had. Good seal blocks on, on a lot of situations, kick out blocks, those kind of things. So he was a contributor. That's fine. I'd be so disappointed if they go and bring him back, honestly. Like I I think that's capping the potential of that position. I would much rather see a young player step into that guard spot.
2: But, but have we seen what? Have we seen five combined games from Jamarco Jones and Phil Haynes? No. So like.
1: I, well, I don't. Market market. Jones we
0: have?
2: Like five starts?
0: Mm, he's close to that. He might be right at five. Yeah. Okay. okay. but
2: uh, regardless, like I don't want them to hand you potty a starting job, but I don't want them to hand any of these guys a starting job. So you give three guys that you know one of them's a bet you're comfortable with, and two of them are young guys that you're hoping, hopeful for, and you see what shakes out. Yeah, I just, I mean, and, and also considering you know we're talking about them signing Chris Harris and Byron Jones and Yannick Ngakwe and Jeff, Jack Conklin, right? Like at some point the money runs out. So what positions spend on?
1: Well, that's the thing. I mean, that's what I'm kind of getting at here is, um, I think you can get some cheap veterans. I would not necessarily pick the guy that is is run centric. Um, and you, Potty. Um, and I'm a little surprised that's where you guys would go. I mean, um, I think the question is if, if I'm pushing, if I'm like criticizing myself on this or like looking at it, yeah, you cut Justin Britt, you've got Ethan Posick and Joey Hunt. Those are your two options at center or Phil Haynes. Those are pretty much your options. You look at the a good drop for center still. There's not a good option at center. I mean, Ryan Khalil is 35. Um, but think what you end up doing there are some decent centers in the draft i think you could go yeah, center in the right. draft and i i'm saying it on live real hawk talk i would roll with eason Posick and joey hunt and a young draft pick at the center spot in order to fund these other needs um i would take risk of that center spot
2: you're ready to cut Have that down on
1: my offseason flying brian what's that jeff
3: I have that exact scenario down in my off-season plan. Uh, move on from Britt. Use Ethan Posick as your draft hedge, and use a one of their first four picks on a center. It, there's some good centers in this draft. I think that's looking at their cap today. Justin Britt's name stood out. Unless they can restructure his deal, I think you have to reallocate that money to either right tackle or defense.
0: What do you What are you reacting to, Evan? I'm just like kind of shocked by this, like. Like, I understand the cap reasoning and the hints in his contract as to why you might want to cut Justin Britt. But, like, did we forget how bad Joey Hunt was this year? Like, he was a disa- – like, I think he was a disaster. I do not think he was average. Like I think he was below average.
2: Yeah, he was bad.
0: I think he struggled yeah, badly. We don't want I, Joey Hunt to play. But, but, but the option in this scenario, but your faith to replace him with either Ethan Pochick or somebody in the draft seems a little optimistic for my taste.
2: I mean, you got to be optimistic at some point, like in the NFL, like with the the cap and everything. At some point, you just have to say, I sure hope these young guys work out, right? I mean, there's no team that doesn't say that somewhere, yeah. When, like,
3: yeah, what part of the thing of roster building is projection and when the seahawks moved on from lawyer malloy to start the fifth round cam chancellor that was a pretty big leap and
1: that's kind of how you just have to do things and And i think evan evan i think people really overrate justin Britt. like i I don't disagree though but but let let me let me tell you though like justin Britt, his he he played eight games his pro football focus ranking was 62 overall joey hunts 56.5 totally not great but totally. nine point like nine million dollars of cap am i willing to risk that on like just to make sure that we get that much of a difference hell no i will take and, and mean, people can say it's crazy people have said a lot of things i say are crazy i i will i will go out there i think ethan post like if he can play we don't know what his injury situation is i think he played center in college he was a high pick i think he was showing some promise I think he could be someone who's actually better at center than he was at other positions. I don't think it's the worst idea to say, roll the dice with those two, add a young player that might work out well. And you've got Phil Haynes That's already cross trained a little bit at center if you need to go there, but I would apply Phil Haynes to guard. Um, I'd apply him to left guard. I would consider having Jamarco Jones at right tackle. Cause he is a tackle people. He played guard. Everyone was surprised. He was a, he's a tackle by nature. I, look at him at right at at right tackle
2: he did not look like a tackle by nature when he stepped in i know i know that was that was (laughs) bad i I
1: do i'm not giving up on him there honestly at all i i've seen enough good things from him i believe in him as a tackle i really do um so you know this is to me like okay use the nine million from brit then fine, go get me Jack Conklin for 14 million or Bulaga. Use some of that nine million to go get me one of those guys to make bookends at tackle that you totally believe in, that you go into every game knowing that you're gonna be well protected on the edges, and then put Jamarco Jones and Phil Haynes at guard and let's figure out. Let's figure out center. I I I that's that I would fuck yeah, I would be all in on that.
0: Yeah, I mean, you don't have to convince me. Like, if if you're telling me that they they're gonna cut Justin Britt and pay for eighty percent of Jack Conklin's salary or half a clowny with that, right? Hell yeah, I'm in. Hell yeah, I'm in. Like that's what we're talking about, dude. But but, I, but I'm saying what I'm trying to say is I don't think it's a. They have enough cap space where they're at the point where it's not really a needed move. Like they could afford some of these. Really? Big, oh yeah oh yeah
1: let's talk defensive line before you say that
0: no no let me let me tell you why we so we're working working with like 55 to 60 million in in net cap space right now okay so that's our current number we could yes pull some levers and get up to like 70 million everybody when they're slotting in these contracts with like clowny you know all these other guys they're assuming like a 24 what is? I'm um, sorry, my dog is freaking out in the back. All these, all these contracts are assuming like a 24 million dollar cap hit, like year one, and it's just not accurate. These contract cap hits are gradual. That's how these things work. It's not like a 24 million dollar cap hit in year one. So by the time Seattle has a ton of cap space, you know, in like 2021, they'll have way more space. They can fit these guys in this year. No problem. Well, come
1: on though. It's not. It's it's it is not a a free ride uh, on this. So, I mean, if we talk defensive line, I mean, clearly they got to bring back Ezekiel Alonso. I mean, that's number one priority. I think we're all agreed on that.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I mean,
2: I want to raise.
1: <laughs> yeah, give him a race. There's a lot of options out there, guys. I mean. You give me two of Jadavian Clowney, uh, um, let's say uh, uh, Yannick and uh, Gakway, if I'm getting that right, and yeah. Eric Armstead. Give me two of those three. Yeah, you can fit I'll it take in. It.
0: You could fit it in. I, I guess what I'm, my argument is: I don't think the Brit move is necessary to be able to make these moves happen. Does that make sense? So,
1: so let's say let's say uh, let's say it's Yannick and Clowney as two. Sure, those are probably both like twenty million plus players.
0: Yeah, I, I guess like somewhere in like the thirty-five million dollar range total year one cap hit.
1: Right, and- but also with. With Britt, Britt's last year
3: of his
0: deal, right?
1: So yes, so
3: doesn't moving off him kind of make sense now? Because you're oh, you you're totally can, it. you totally can. Yeah.
0: The cap reasoning, you don't have to convince me on the cap reasoning. Like it makes total sense. It kind of reminds me of the Sherman contract, where you're in the last year of the deal. He's coming off like a major injury. You don't know if he's going to be the same player. Although Justin Britt really wasn't ever good in the first place. But yeah, you you don't you don't have to convince me. Like I I, yeah. I just. I, I, I mean, do you pivoting this question a little bit? Do you guys see Seattle making this move? Like, yeah, it might make sense to us, but do you think Seattle will? I don't. Why? Why don't you think so?
1: Because I believe that they overvalue Justin Britt.
0: Yeah, I don't disagree. It feels like he's real close with Russell and John.
1: <laughs> I, I mean, he looks the part. He definitely does. He's a huge dude. Um, he's a scary
0: motherfucker. <laughs> but
1: I don't know that he plays the way he looks, um, and I, I'm pretty sure he's blocked me at this point on Twitter. So you know, who knows?
2: Um, You're gonna say something, Nathan. I just can't. I, I have a hard time that like they're gonna do the math on it, and like. If the, the, the question is, do you want to keep Justin Britt at nine million dollars a year or keep Fant at nine million dollars a year? Are they really gonna look at that and say we want Britt? This That's is a great question. I you know he's not Solari's guy necessarily. Like, I don't know. Well, he, I mean,
1: and this is this is like we talk about the nine million, like it's just towards one player, but like yeah, I can go anywhere. I mean, you could end up getting, like, every year the team gets – I mean, Bradley mcdougal has been a starter for three years, and he's cost, like, $2 million a year, right? So, like, you can get a meaningful addition. I'm looking at the defensive line, some of the free agency players there. Not all of them have to be $20 million players. Vinny Curry is a fine – he's older. He's going to be cheaper. He's a decent pass rusher. Um, you've got uh, Vic Beasley, who – Atlanta said they're going to move on from used to be a big sacker. Definitely tailed off should not be a huge market for him. If he's a rotational pass rusher, fine. If he's, you're looking at him as starter, not so great. Um, you know, Timmy Jernigan, I think is an interesting interior defensive lineman. The guy's 27. I thought he was older, but like, he's a perfectly good player. Like you go on on uh, Vernon Butler's interesting. I think um, Benson Mayo is still <laughs> interesting. Chris Jones Certainly is interesting. I don't know how much he's going to fetch, but God, if you got Chris Jones and, and Clowney or Robert Quinn, like, Robert Quinn, like there's a lot of defensive line names. And if you tell me we're going to be stuck spending nine freaking million on Justin Britt, instead of getting two, three deep on a defensive line that killed us last year, they freaking killed us. They killed us more than the offensive line. Tell me that the defensive line didn't kill us more than the offensive line this year.
3: By the and end just, of this just watch what Chris Jones did in the Super Bowl and what Bosa did every playoff game. Those guys can wreck the game. You saw the glimpses of Clowney, but they need a lot more there. And, yeah, with Britt, it's mostly just asset allocation. It's what you guys just said. It's You you can afford to keep them, but if you can use that $9 million to get two to three players and you can get by center fine, it's just it's a no-brainer to me.
2: Yeah, and I don't know how attached they are to Britt either. Like, they drafted Postic, who I think they had hopes he would fit some other places, maybe tackle, but he was a center. Uh, and Hunt was a guy that they actually talked up a little bit when they drafted him. He was a guy they couldn't leave the draft without, right? And so I don't know that they are super attached to Britt. This is an interesting one we have not talked about.
1: Interesting, it's gone this long, right? Jaron Reed. Do you do you, he, he, do you guys saw some of the tweets right around who did he he call out? Uh, Sam gold.
0: I, I yeah, I don't even I don't even really think he called him out, but he definitely like was like, hey, I'm worth more than thirteen to fourteen million dollars a year. <laughs>
1: yeah. Do you any of you think he is?
0: Uh, he can. He can walk out the door right now if, that, if that's his price.
2: Anyone disagree? I don't know that I want to pay him that. He might be worth that, though, right? Like, what are.
0: Not off the year he just had.
1: Well, so, so to define that a little bit more, Nathan, like, could he be worth that as a player? I think yes, I do. Do I think that he's got enough evidence to prove he's worth that as a player and that I'm willing to take that risk on him? I don't think so. Like to me, Jaron Reed is the guy I go in and I make, if I'm John Schneider, I make a one-year deal pitch, which he's done a ton of times. He said, give him give him 12 million. Maybe give him 13 or 14 million this year. One-year deal um, to reset his market. Um, but I am not committing to him long-term off of that off of the year he just had
0: but there's no way i'm giving a one year 13 million 14 million dollar prove a year deal it's, there's just not off one year of double digit sacks like i don't i don't yeah. think like 2018 for him was an, an anomaly to me do you guys genuinely expect him to have like double digit sacks no but I think I think six
1: to six six sacks is not unreasonable for him if he's got if he's got any semblance of a pass rush around him and he's playing a full season. I mean, you're right. I, like the number that's always been in my head is 10 million. If you gave him a one year, 10 million dollar deal, we've seen that in other places. I, I think that's reasonable. And, and I don't know if he'll take it. Someone else might get foolish, but there's just so many. I mean. There are so many defensive linemen on the market. Sean Robinson, I could just literally like list names all night. It is such yeah. a good class. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, it's, are any of you like, are any of you going to have FOMO if if Jaron Reed moves on?
0: Not if it's in that teens range.
2: I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Are you going are are
2: to have uh, We're missing out. I see. No, I will not have that. That will be FOMO free. <laughs> FOMO free. I like that.
1: All right. So interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, other guys uh, on the Seahawks we haven't talked about. There, we won't go through obviously everybody, but um Quentin Jefferson's also a free agent. I'm assuming we're fine with him moving on. I, he's also a guy I'd be fine to bring back on a cheap deal if if we get a bunch of the other pieces.
0: I really want Quentin Jefferson back. Okay. Why? I think he has a high ceiling. I know he struggled with injuries. You high know. ceiling.
1: How high?
0: I, I really be? think so. Like he has struggled with, yes, he'll always be a rotational player, but okay. like he made an impact. He, he was an impact player this year. Like, yeah, we don't have a that's ton of defense. I wanted to know
1: what you meant by high ceiling. So you okay? A rotation, a, a quality rotational player.
0: Yes, that that's what okay. my expectations are for him. Okay. Like relative to draft position and everything like that.
2: Do you have a again, high ceiling similar to Malik Turner's? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Turner's uh,
0: downhill after
2: that
3: video.
1: Yeah. Who bought that? That was Jeff. <laughs> that was me. I cost the Seahawks. it's all right it's all right
2: it's like we're talking about a lot of players walking out the door right i think we said goodbye to justin Britt. we said goodbye to mikey potty to dj fluker to all of their defensive tackles
0: well do you do you wanna do you want a list of their free agents their big ones well but,
1: but hold on yeah we can go through that in a second but first of all i haven't said goodbye to dj fluker i know that came up for other pokes fluker's under contract I don't see a reason to get rid of him. Um, you know, I, I can maybe make the case, but if you're looking at Seattle's cap space and you're looking at where they can like really get some additional spending to, to move, to shift their spend around Brit jumps out like crazy. Um, his actual number is 8.75. I'm saying nine, which in case one am wondering then, I mean, you got to at least consider KJ Wright at seven and a half million. I don't think you do that because I don't know that you've got a better option for that price. Um, but that's a big chunk of change. And then Ed Dixon, he's got to be out the door three and a quarter million. So between Dixon and I'm sorry, between Dixon and Britt, you're talking about like 12 million in cap space. Like that's, that could be Jaron Reed. Like, I mean, that's, I would much rather have one of those guys than um, both of those, if that makes any sense. But yeah, hey. I mean, the Seahawks have, as far as I know, Evan, I don't know if you check on that. I think they only have 42 players under contract. They have like one of the fewest number, of. that's like, why they have all this cap space. So they got to fill a lot in this roster, but I mean, to your, your question to you, uh, Nathan, I mean, do you want to see them go get names that you know and that are bigger a couple like do you want to see them get two or three marquee free agents you want to see them get one and really spread that that spend as far as they can I mean how are you thinking about it
2: um no I mean I think that they can do both right I mean they've got a ton of cap space they need a ton of players so like they're probably gonna I I hope they grab a big name at least um and they'll probably sign a lot of guys it's just like it's just a lot of turnover and and that's not a bad thing right it's just you know there's what 42 guys you said under contract and then we're talking about cutting three or four more like it's it's just like a major chunk of the team that's gonna be gone yeah they have 32 free agents yeah that's a lot there's a lot of guys out the door And, and malik turner's one of them yeah but he'll be back he will yeah there's some restricted guys in there He's got a – what did Marshawn say? He's got a make-up – not make-up for last time. What was it? Turner's got some make-up to do. That's awesome.
0: You know Uh, what uh, is surprising to me that nobody has mentioned? Supposedly the most talented running back on the Seattle Seahawks is an unrestricted free agent. Did you guys know that? The most talented running back on the Seattle Seahawks is a free agent, and nobody's talking about it. Nobody's talking about it. I wonder why nobody's talking about it because he's not the most talented running back on the Seattle Seahawks. No so- one
1: has ever claimed that Robert Turbin is the most talented running back.
0: God damn it.
1: <laughs>
2: that was a good thing. I wait for them to bring him back. I can't wait um, for them to bring ProSyfe back. <laughs> I-,
1: I think we should all protect Jeff if they announce they've re-signed Brandon Jackson.
3: Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. He's my least favorite Seahawk. Why is that? He's just like the definition of what's been wrong with their team the last two, three years on defense. <laughs> Tell me more. Out, he's just like a guy who wouldn't play for any other good team. And so the Seahawks are playing him like 40 snaps a game in the playoffs. <laughs> and you look at like the Niners. Like, I don't even think you'd make the Niners practice squad. And you got this guy playing 40 fucking snaps a game. And he just keeps making the team every year with no redeemable qualities. I don't think he's good at anything, run pass. I just don't get it. Every year he just keeps making it, and this year because of
1: injuries, he was like one of their most important defensive linemen. Drove me nuts. Hey Amen, man. I think really, really, I'm so there with you on that. I like. I would just with this. So my general like roster philosophy is whether it's draft or free agency go where the depth is like especially if there's a match between where you need and where there's quality don't just get one like get two get three like remake your defense like like the packers did this off season on their defensive line they went too deep and they completely changed their their pass rush like that was a strength of their team go do that like that they can fix that it's like they could literally fix that this off season offensive line they could set themselves up for the next few years if they did nothing else this offseason other than fix their offensive and defensive line
2: do we think that that's a Super Bowl team I feel like a lot of teams become Super Bowl teams if you fix their offensive and defensive lines so like is there, hey, we're just a quarterback away like all right well but we're not we're not a quarterback away
1: like I mean, I, joking aside, that's a big difference, right? Like, I mean, so on the defensive line stuff, I know we talked about it a while, but Clowney, question. I mean, the guy's having sports hernia surgery, it seems like um, he's he might be the most expensive free agent on the market. Are you ready to go big dollars for Clowney to bring him back? Is that one of the would you rather them go in on him than Chris Jones and Ngakwe or you know one of these other guys out there?
2: I I'm okay with paying him. I don't know. Like assuming Chris Jones is really big, like I I don't know that Jones is actually gonna get out on the market, but like where would you rank him with Ngakwe, Robert Quinn, Chris Jones? some of these other guys that are going to be available. And especially considering a guy like Quinn is probably going to be considerably like cheaper.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the tough one for me. Like it is really, it's a the reason I asked is because I mean, my, my heart is, I really like the guy. I like him as a player. I like rooting for him. I like the type of player he is. I like his ceiling. I think, I think he still does have defensive player of the year potential. I think everyone's like, ah, he didn't have any sacks this year. I feel like if he had been healthy the last half of the season, I think he would have gone on a tear. And I think he would have had a big, big final end of the season. So my biggest question is, is this injury that he had, is it going to really limit him? Because there are some examples of sports hernia surgery, like really changing the trajectory of a player's career. So that's my only real question. If he hadn't had that... It wouldn't be a question.
0: Weeks one through 10, pro football focus. So he got injured in week 11 against the 49ers. Weeks one through 10, pro football focus graded Clowney as the league's fourth best edge defender, just as a data point for you. So is that a yes for you? Like, no, hesitation? that is no hesitation. Pay him $22.75 million a year right now. I think he's a blue chip player. You don't get many of them. And you just, I I think having the opportunity to even retain him, I think is a major blessing. Like this is his first big contract. This is not, you know, this is not like like a second big contract like we were discussing for Earl or something like that. Like this is a pretty safe bet, I feel like. He is a blue chip player. He has been a blue chip player for a very long time. He is elite. He was a game wrecker. In you know, in peak in year one of Pete Carroll's defense, like I think he's only going to get better, and I think they have to keep him in the fold.
2: He is not a blue chip pass rusher,
0: but he's like a top ten pass rusher.
2: Mm-hmm. I, heard, I heard Joe
3: Fan. Joe Fan called him on his podcast the most dominant three stack season he's ever seen. Oh,
1: that's true. Well. <laughs>
0: i
3: thought it was a good way to sum up this season yeah
0: i mean if you care about defeating the 49ers and beating the 49ers in football games you have to shut down their run game and he's probably the best run defender in the nfl so it's also a stretch to say that i think i don't know know about that he's like consistently ranked like one or two by pro football focus and run defense. yes
2: Okay, sure. Yeah, yeah. Probably. Um, I don't know. I they, mean, uh, the pressure is concern me.
1: They should. I think that's that. It's totally fair. But here, here's where it goes in my head is, if I close my my eyes and I imagine a, a Seahawks like disruptive defensive line, I can totally see Clowney in there. Like that's just not hard to like. As long as he's healthy. I think you can count on him being a really big part of that defense. That's the question. And then it's a matter of like who do you add add to him? Um, you know, like I, I'm I'm not as certain on some of these other guys, but like uh Eric Armstead, for example, is an interesting one that like deserves like he's a totally viable alternative and is younger and can play inside and outside um, and doesn't have the injury issue. And it's like, and he probably will be cheaper. Like, that's where I'm like, uh, you know, if you get Eric Armstead and Chris Jones, which Chris Jones is probably not going to be available, but you know, th- that's where I start to have a little more hesitation. So I have not gone through and done my real due diligence on ranking um, defensive linemen, but man, I mean, Shaq Lawson, Christian Covington, Jason Pierre-Paul, yeah, there's just there's so many like quality guys. Right. If you if you bet wrong with uh clowney and he just turns out to not be able to be healthier, him his former self, that might be the death knell of of you know competing for the next few years. That's that's a huge chunk of change. That's your second most expensive player on the roster. So I, I don't envy John Schneider. Uh, and Pete Carroll in making this decision. I, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll kind of close, we'll start closing down here, but but, do you expect them to go sign, try to sign clowning Do you think that that's maybe their, one of their top priorities?
2: I, I actually, I think so, I don't know. Uh, one of the things that Pete called out was their issues on the edge. And, and Connie, I don't think was a part of that. I, I think you know he grades really well the run stuffer. He chucks out like I test really well the run stuffer. So I don't think he was a part of that, but there was a problem there. and he, he he's not like the most disciplined player. So I would expect that they would, but part of me wonders just how hard and how committed they are gonna be uh, to get him. How about you, Jeff?
3: I've gone back and forth in this last couple of weeks. And I think with, I think Clowney and his people are going to hit the market. And I think just the way Seattle historically do things, they'll put a number on him. And if he can exceed that number, I think I think they might just say, okay, we'll use that to get two other guys. But I think he is their priority. It sounds like they want him back. It sounds like they really enjoyed his experience, but – I think Clowney's definitely going to hit the market. They agree not to franchise him. And if he gets a like $24 million offer or twenty five or something, I think that's it for him. I think they move on, and maybe you get a Quinn and a, someone like a Shaq Barrett instead. You're willing to pay for that guy. And I think no matter – even if you bring Clowney back, I think you need – even if you sign Clowney, I think it's super important you get a second pass rusher. Because I think for Clowney to work, you need to put people around him and you need speed rushers around him. So if you do sign him, I don't think just signing him will be enough. I think you had the same problems last year.
2: Yeah, like, would you want to have, let's say you can get Clowney and and Ngakwe, or you can get one of those two, and then two guys like KPP and Quinn or uh, Barrett or one of the other, you know, guys that are yeah here at path pressure. so you, you, basically the question is do you want two guys at like 20 million each or do you want one guy at 20 million and two guys like 10-ish well
1: that's that's the thing like I, you could actually go into like you could go into like four guys like three to four guys like you'd get three guys at 10 to 12 million and then another guy like some of these guys are Al Woods was a huge contributor this season. He was a two million dollar player. Like you can absolutely get two to four million dollar guys that are are impact players for you. So, I mean, they don't have, <laughs> they don't have Jadavon Clowney, Jaron Reed, Al Woods, Quentin Jefferson. Those are all gone, uh, you know, in, in their list. I think there might even be more Brandon Jackson for he was getting snaps whether we like it or not. Ansa. Uh, so, uh, and Ansa. That's right. So I mean, they're really they're gonna need to.
2: Brian Monet, he's gone too.
1: It's actually
2: Um, fun looking at this list of edge guys. Like all these guys that we've talked about, and on over the cap, the guy that's at the very top because he made the most money last year, Ezekiel Ansah. Oh God,
1: it's so bad. So so I mean, look, they're gonna need to really add a lot of players. I I could be totally I could be excited about them going not quite bargain basement but not top shelf shopping um it feels to me like you do need at least one premium guy on the defensive line you know maybe you don't i I mean you can but but like it sure helps and so um yeah i I mean my my general take is two of the good guys two of the premium guys and then filling around them but but yeah, there's other that I could be there's so many good players available. You know, if they could get three or four of them, I'm I'm down with that too. Um, all right. Well we we are <laughs> not gonna cover the whole offseason this 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 episode as much as like uh it's been fun actually like uh, getting back into this again. And I think what what uh what I definitely will promise is that i I'm, I'm gonna put you know pen to paper or Finger to keyboard um to, to write uh kind of my assessment of where needs and, and some of the off-season priorities or, or, or options are. Um you know, I don't know what your guys' schedule is. We'll work this out, but you know, I think it, there's enough to talk about. Um maybe to have another show next week um to to kind of go through this in continuing detail. Uh off-season dates for the NFL. Basically, um, February 24th is when the scouting combine happens. We got a few weeks until I think we can focus on free agency for a little while, and and what's going on there, and then I think the draft will start to kick into high gear, and we'll 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 cover a little bit more on that. So, uh, how's that sound to you guys? That works for me. All right, Jeff, we will uh, hopefully see your your lovely f- face. You're you? well, you don't pre- <clears throat> you don't prefer this face. Well, you look a little bit. I don't know. Sideways smiling, maybe. Um, so, so maybe it's a little <laughs> bit appropriate. But uh, we've appreciated your ingenuity to to join, so we could hear your your thoughts. Um, well, and for everyone who joined uh, online, thank you guys for for uh, joining the show. Um, we did not talk much about the Super Bowl. Uh, that's something we'll probably want to come back to next week. Um, we, we yeah, did. we can't talk about San Francisco losing a little bit. Do you want to say a couple of things? Um,
3: Yeah, I just think it's the most excited I've been after Super Bowl. And this is the petty side of me since the Seahawks won. And I'm still kind of excited. Like the thought of the Niners winning the Super Bowl in the last six minutes, I was just crushed. I was so looking forward to how much I would have had to avoid Twitter. And and I, I think it's going to be hard for them to get back. I know you guys have talked about you think the Niners are going to be great for a while. I'm not sure. I agree. I think the league is, I think the league is set up to take down teams like this, and the only way to sustain is great quarterback play. You saw it happen with the Rams. I think you're going to see things get a lot harder for them, and we don't know how good they are at quarterback. I think it's going to be a big challenge for them to make it back. I don't know if they ever will.
1: Yeah, I, I think um, I I have I have more more belief in their quarterback and their offensive coordinator than, than I did in the Rams. Um, and I also just in this situation that I think uh, the Rams were in, in terms of losing some really aging guys on the offensive line like that, like some of the key pillars of how that team was working and, and Gurley's injury. Like there's a lot of things that were working against the Rams where I think you could kind of predict them taking a step back. 49ers have a lot of young ascending guys um, and I think they should be talented for a few years um, for sure. Um, but your points, points well taken Jeff. And uh, you know, that might be the best that the 49ers are was last year. That's possible. Um, and it wasn't enough. And so if I'm a 49ers fan, which I'm certainly not, I'm like, pretty upset with the coaching because uh, I think they had a talent advantage over every single team they played this year and uh, including the Super Bowl. and um, they didn't, they didn't turn that in to a championship. So sucks to be them. Um, All right. We'll talk about that more uh, when we come back. Uh, Expect that we'll try to come back next week. Uh, I know Evan's traveling. Um, I should be around. I've been traveling. So uh, hopefully that'll help settle things down. And uh, we've got a great off season ahead, so hope to to see all of you. I know some of you were were joining the super chat and really appreciate that. Sorry we didn't get to to take those questions, but thank you, uh, Owen, and a bunch of the other folks that that uh, contributed on the super chat. If you haven't already, subscribe. Um, please, you know, make a comment um, on uh, leave a comment on iTunes, review all those things, and uh, sign up at patreon.com/slash hockey blogger. Uh, With all that aside, I'll say good night. Thank you for joining uh, from all of us, including Andy Reid and his grandson. Uh, Have a wonderful evening. Cheers and go Hawks.